Today is Monday, October 29th, and this is Red Sox Beat Podcast here on the CLNS Media Network. My name is Jared Scalia. I'm, of course, alongside my co-host, Jess Thomas, talking about, of course, your 2018 World Series champion, Boston Red Sox. All right, welcome in, everyone. Red Sox meeting the online provider of audio and video coverage for your World Series champion, Boston Red Sox, on Twitter, at Red Sox CLNS. Facebook is Red Sox Beat Podcast. Of course, rate, review, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher. Listen to us anywhere you can get CLNS stuff. It's the best time of year to be a Red Sox fan. Uh, Jess, we are grinding. It's about 12.30 in the morning on Monday as we record this for a 5 o'clock release because we had to. Uh, Red Sox are World Series champions, Jess. You predicted this when we when you guys wrote that article back before the season started. And it's kind of nice. It, it's I'm speechless just because it's the way it happened. The best team in baseball, actually, they did it. They won the World Series, and now they're celebrating playing New York, New York in the clubhouse, and it's just fantastic. <laughs> yes. World Series champions, March 25th. I predicted it. Yeah, I know I'm a homer. But guess what? It happened. So I am loving it. Man, this team was unbelievable, and we'll certainly get into it more here during the show, but live World Series reaction about an hour after the game ended, beat the Dodgers in five, rolled through the Yankees, rolled through the Astros, rolled through the Dodgers, 108 wins, they finished 119-57. and This team is the best team in baseball, this team is the best team in franchise history, this seals it, World Series champions. Red Sox lose three games total. In the postseason, total. <laughs> um, and mind you, the one, two of those games, they probably shouldn't have even lost. So you put into perspective what this team did, Jess, and it's just a lot of doubters, myself included. I think a lot of people doubted this team in regards to what they were actually made of to come into the postseason and do something like this. Bullpen questions were obviously the number one thing. David Price questions were a big target, easy target, obviously. Um, what was Chris Sale going to be? Is he healthy? What was his belly button ring going to cause? You know, like that, all that crap that started coming up. This team looked at, looked everybody directly in the eyes in the last couple weeks and said, screw you. We're good. We're going to win the World Series. And they, this is, tonight was a giant F you to all the haters that this team had. Yeah, it really is amazing because what you said is exactly right. Everything that people were questioning, Turned out to ha- the op- be the opposite. The bullpen was questioned. They pitched fantastic. They were like probably the most consistent thing in the playoffs. David Price was questioned. He was fantastic. Joe Kelly was majorly questioned, even by me, the biggest homer alive. I questioned Joe Kelly. He was fantastic. Everything that was questioned about this team totally flipped around with the playoffs and just shoved it up everybody's butt and said, "That's right. Look at what we can do." And that was just so satisfying. It's like. It, the most, I think the most satisfying thing for me in the playoffs was that it wasn't the stars that were leading it. It wasn't Sale. It wasn't Betts. JD had a pretty good playoffs, but had, had some trouble in the World Series for the most part. But no, it was, it was Steve Pierce, Mitch Moreland, David Price, Eduardo Nunez, Jackie Bradley Jr. It's all the guys you wouldn't expect that were winning the games, and that's why this team is so good. Because they have so many good players that they don't rely on their stars. That's how they won the title. That's the reason they won. And that was a big question mark throughout the year, too, was can this team produce at the bottom of the order? 
because all year Mookie and JD were themselves, right? That's why Mookie's probably going to be the AL MVP this year. Alex Cora, manager of the year, whatever. Like all these guys were producing at their highest level. And then when they were needed most, Mookie couldn't hit the side of a barn. JD Martinez is okay, but like the World Series, he wasn't great until tonight when he, him and Mookie both went deep and probably put that thing away at that point. Isn't that funny how Which is hilarious, (laughs) but you look at what we're going to talk about tonight. You know, David Price, we're going to get to in a second, so I want to start with him. Chris Sale and what he did coming in and the short, I guess, stint he had in the playoffs because it was kind of watered down a little bit just based off the injury he had. You have Steve Pierce winning the World Series MVP, MVP, mind you, at plus 2,200 odds, something stupid like that. Put a hundred bucks down, you win 2,200. If you bet Steve Pierce to win the World Series MVP at the start of the series, I know, I, be, I believe Tony Maz did that. Actually, he, he talked a lot about it on the sports sub. So like a guy like that winning the World Series MVP and what that means for him, this team was just insane throughout the entire year. So let's start with David Price, Jess, because every week we talk about him because he seems to be a topic, whether it was always good or bad. And coming into Game 5, Alex Cora made sure that he was going to be a storyline. Chris Sale was slated to pitch Game 5. Um, David Price pitched three days ago. He was coming off two, obviously, great starts in a row. Both wins in the postseason. Then he pitched out of the bullpen. Then he the next day he was up firing in the bullpen, getting warmed up in case he had to come in. So really... They said he was pitching off three days rest coming into game five. He really didn't have any rest because he pitched both the days that he wasn't actually slated to start. So David Price, a workhorse, comes in and throws seven full innings, goes into the eighth, doesn't record it out. Joe Kelly then obviously takes over and leads the way for Chris Sale to close the game. David Price literally pitched almost like four days straight and willed this team. And I'll be the first to say, you know, I was on and off the bandwagon throughout his time because there were there were highs and lows with David Price, but what he did, he f- officially pulled the John Lackey on us and said, "You're gonna love me. You're gonna remember me for this. Screw my playoff times. I just won us a World Series." And to see him do that, and I know Adam Ballou on our network here at CLNS is a big David Price supporter, always has been. Give him credit because this is something that will remember David Price for. It's not going to be the you know shaming of himself last couple years is not going to be even that Yankee start that everyone was criticizing him for the regular season, right, Jess? We hammered him for that start when he got rocked in New York. But now he's the one with the goggles on. He's spraying champagne, listening to New York, New York in the clubhouse, saying, I'm your ace. I picked up the slack that Chris Sale couldn't really handle just because of the injury. I, I put this team on my back, and I took him to the uh, another World Series title, and another title in Boston because we're all freaking spoiled. Yeah, yes, that we are. 11 championships and in 17 years. So, yeah, I, this was amazing. You know, I, he's been one of my least favorite players and, uh, it, it, on my, my teams here in Boston for a while. I just couldn't get behind him. Too many, too many negative things for me to, to, to like him. But as we always said in the show, and, you know, you preach, 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 you win a title in Boston, everything's forgiven. Everybody loves you. And he didn't just win a title in Boston. He was one of the main factors in it. So, that's an even better way, to, like you said, pulling a John Lackey. Everybody hates your guts. You pitch the clinching game. Everybody loves you. I mean, game six, fa- game five, fantastic. Game two, super good. Houston series, I mean, incredible. Only bad start he had was that first New York start where he didn't even get out of the second inning. Mm-hmm. And amazing how that's that's how his postseason started and it ended with with winning the clinching game of the World Series. He was dominant. He was so good in this game. He just was mowing everybody down, confident. That's all it is. It's it's confidence. I mean, he's he's pitched much more confidently 
really the whole year, but especially here in the postseason than he than he had before. And he just something seemed to click. He just seemed to figure out finally not be afraid of the postseason, not be afraid of the moment, whatever it was for him. He just did, was not afraid anymore. And he just went out there and did it. And you know, he finally showed. You know, you always heard for these three years, oh, David Price is a great teammate. Oh, David Price is a great guy. Everybody in the clubhouse loves him and everything. And we're all sitting here like, how is this possible? Because he's, you know, how could anyone like this guy? But you really saw in this series how he was willing to do anything it took to win this World Series. You know, pitch on three days rest multiple times, come out of the bullpen, warm up just in case. I mean, he was... (laughs) He was there always, just ready to do whatever they needed. And as you saw, as everybody saw as they uh, as they ran on the field, he was the first guy out there with Sale and and uh, Vasquez when they won it. He was sprinting out of the dugout. Oh, as, as soon as that out was recorded, his face was big smile, and he he then gave wasted no time. He was, he was running, sprinting. He was running like a hundred hundred meter sprint and fast as possibly can out there to, to the to the, the mound. So. That that tells me, like, you know, he wanted to be the first one out there. He wanted to be celebrating. So he deserved it. Hats off to him. He pitched fantastic. All is forgiven. He did exactly what he had to do. Go David Price. Yeah, and, and you talk about this game tonight, too, Jess. Like, the way it's set up, you know, first inning, Red Sox get up. The World Series MVP, Steve Pierce, hits a two-run shot. And you're like, crap, this game's already over. And then first pitch David Price throws. Freeze puts it in the seats. And right. I'm like, oh my god, no. Do not give me old school David Price right now. Do not give me normal playoff David Price now after what has done happened. And then since then, and this goes for Kershaw too, because Kershaw didn't have that bad of a game despite a couple bad pitches. They both settled down after that first inning and you had like four innings of just scoreless dominant pitching. Um, and you had a pitching duel for a while tonight. David Price was locked in and except for that one pitch, to start the game, he was lights out, and I give him credit because I think a lot of times you'd expect David Price, or people would expect David Price to literally just crumble after doing something like that. Yeah, isn't that funny? That was the first pitch he threw the entire game, and then he was just dominant after that. I mean, I'm sitting there thinking, like, wow, this is going to be a high-scoring game, two to one after one inning, you know, two home runs, and then just nothing for a while. They just, both pitchers were great until Kershaw gave up a couple more home runs, but yeah, to be able to to give up a home run like that right away in a time you want to shut down an inning after you get the lead in the first, to do that, and then to be dominant for the whole rest of the game and get into the eighth inning on three days rest, and that takes some balls. I mean, that's that does take mental fortitude because, you know, I can't imagine pitching on three days rest is an easy thing to do and give up a home run on the first pitch and then still get that far. I mean, he clearly wanted it. Let's, um, let's touch on the other pitchings before we... Get to Cora I want to talk about. I want to talk about, obviously, Steve Pierce, uh, seeing he is the World Series MVP. Unlikely, but is. Um, this bullpen just overcame a lot of adversity because most of this year, including September, right, cut right into the postseason, they were crap. Like, I would have rather literally a pile of crap go on the mound and try to throw a baseball than what they, they were doing. That's what they, that's un, how untrustworthy they were. And then out of nowhere, everyone just flipped the script. Joe Kelly was, back to April Joe Kelly where he couldn't be bad. And then today when he was going in the eighth inning, came in for David Price, boom, three in a row, couldn't be touched, comes off the mound screaming. Same thing with Ryan Brazier. You have all these guys who weren't supposed to do this or weren't doing it coming into this uh, postseason. And now the bullpen is a big reason why 
you won this World Series. Granted, Nathan Avaldi, those kind of guys came out in the eighth inning a lot. So you really didn't have the eighth inning guy was filled by your starters. They figured out how to get the best out of what they had in the bullpen. Um, I give Alex Cora a lot of credit because this bullpen, he picked the right guys and those right guys stepped up. Well, that's just what he did. You know, he used, he used the most trustworthy bullpen guys, you know, in the earlier bullpen innings and then just seemed to have this plan all through the playoffs that he was going to use whoever was fresh, whoever, whoever was not pitching like the next game, except for, of course, Uvalde in the 18 inning game because that was a different situation, but for the whole, uh, all the other games, he just set it up so that he used whoever was the freshest, whoever made the most sense at that particular time. And it worked great. Whether it was Porcello, Sale, Ivaldi, it didn't matter. He, you know, those guys became the eighth inning setup guy, which is hilarious because everyone was wondering who was going to be the setup guy in the playoffs. And it ended up being a starter pretty much, you know, 85% of the time. So he just pulled all the right switches. He pitched, he, he managed each game as if that was like the game they needed the most. Like there was no looking ahead to future games. It was just whatever, whatever it takes to win this game. That's what he did. And that's what made them so good. And they were dominant. And I mean, they pitched, you know, obviously Yavaldi had six innings in that game, but you know, they, the, the, the pitching got them to 18 innings of that game without giving up a run until that point. So it's, it's really fantastic what they did. And it's, it's, it's really a big F you to them from them to everybody who doubted them because they were really dominant. And Joe Kelly is just an awesome story what he did. But I, before we get into anything else, I just, I just want to quickly mention it's just the 18 inning game, just how heartbreaking it is to lose that. You lose three to two in 18 innings when you've already throws 97 pitches in relief all through extra innings and you're one out away from winning in the 13th inning on the Kinsler air. It's just, it was such a heartbreaking loss. The seven hour and 20 minute game, you know, went till 3.40 in the morning here in the East Coast. And that's so, it's something like that is so easy to just hang your head about and be like, wow, we just lost a seven hour game and they came back and won the next two games. It's like, that's the story of this year's team. You get down, you have a tough loss, they bounce right back. They were super consistent all year long. That's why they won 119 games. It's just that, that almost signified the way they've played all season long better than anything, losing an 18-inning World Series game and not letting it bother you. That's the definition of what this team has done. And you look at, overall, what the bullpen was able to accomplish, but also what Nathan Avaldi was able to accomplish out of that bullpen. Because, yeah, he was dominant in his starts, but like you said, you know, that 18-inning 18, marathon, which you obviously ended up losing— you should have won. You should have won that game because if Ian Kinsler could throw a baseball like a normal human being um, or have any baseball IQ for that play, you win the game in the 13th inning and they don't even play tonight. They they win last night in that epic game they had in game four, which is going to go by the wayside. Yeah, I think a lot of people are going to forget about game four and the comeback they had scoring nine runs in three innings because of what they did tonight. But you look at what Kinsler did. They realistically should have swept the Dodgers behind the great pitching and everything they've done. I mean, it took them 18 frickin' innings to beat the Red Sox one time. Yeah. <laughs> they beat them one game, and it took two games worth of, of baseball to win one game. I mean, that's, that's all you need to know, honestly. Like, that's, that's how overmatched they were. And I knew they were going to be, because the Red Sox beat the Yankees and the Astros that easily. I'm sorry, the Dodgers obviously had injuries early in the year, but I think the Yankees and the Astros are both better teams than the Dodgers. 
So once you did that, once you swept the floor with those two teams, I thought there was no chance. And obviously I picked Red Sox in five, which ended up happening again. Uh, another prediction correct, but I just didn't see the, the Dodgers winning more than one game. And, you know, one game was even a stretch for them. So it it's crazy. I mean, that, like you mentioned, that game four, wow. Down four nothing going into the seventh inning. No offense, no offense for a long time between all the extra innings from the night before and then and then nothing for the first six innings off Rich Hill in, in game four. And then the offense just goes nuts. Moreland hits a three-run pinch hit home run. Steve Pierce ties it, and then Steve Pierce gets a three-RBI double the next inning. I mean, that was just – that was this team right there, just never giving up. They could have easily just rolled over and said, we played 18 innings last night. We have no offense. They're going to tie the series, and then we got to figure it out in game five. But nope, they got nine runs in three innings, and – put a stranglehold in the series, and, I mean, once they made that comeback, you knew the Dodgers were toast. They had no chance after that. Well, no, I, I think once, honestly, once the Red Sox were up two, I think a lot of people thought they were toast. I, I just think yeah. that the way they played, and, and I think, Jess, you and I talked about this a little bit, I think it kind of was a popular opinion across the world here in terms of baseball coverage. Whoever won the AL was going to win the World Series, even if the Astros beat the Red Sox. People, everyone was going to pick the Astros to win the World Series. Mm-hmm. And they would have beaten the Dodgers too. And no probably doubt. in four or five games. Like that is just, the Red Sox, Astros, and Yankees, to give them some credit there, were the three best teams in baseball. Like, and, right. and all were over 100 wins. The Red Sox beat 200 win teams to get to the World Series. Mind you, only, be, only lost to each of them once. There was no way that anyone in their right mind who watches baseball could pick against the Red Sox at that point because the biggest knock that the Red Sox had was, can they win a game in the postseason? Can they win a series? Once they got past the Yankees, Jess, I think a lot of people were like, okay, you got past, you won a series. Now I have a little more confidence in you to do something in the playoffs. You should beat everybody else now. Well, that's just, that was a stupid thing all season long, and I kept harping on this, you know, probably way too much on this show looking back on it, but just, just how nobody was willing to give them credit until they won a playoff series, to which I kept saying, this team is completely different than last year's team. They love their manager. They have J.D. Martinez, and they're just a way better team. I saw no reason why they wouldn't roll through the playoffs. You don't win 108 games in the regular season just to lose in the playoffs. Like, they didn't win 93. They won 108. 15 games more is a huge difference. They had way more chemistry. They liked each other a lot more. They liked their manager, and they got one of the best players in baseball in J.D. Martinez. It's not even a question to me. They weren't even close to the same team. No, and and the biggest thing, I think I think the biggest difference obviously was J.D., but I think, I think Alex Cora, and we'll talk about Alex Cora in a second because he was a massive factor in hearing some of these post-game conversations afterwards, some of these guys coming on Fox and, and talking about Cora to hear the things that they say are, are great to hear. And and before we do that, another great thing to hear is the wonderful pa- partnership we have with Green Chef, Jess, and they're officially sponsoring the World Series show, so they've got to be doing something right. Um, Green <laughs> Chef is a USDA-certified organic company that includes everything you need to easily cook delicious meals that you can feel good about. Uh, it's, recipes are quick and easy with step-by-step instructions, chef tips, and photos to guide you along. Uh, everything is hand-packed and delivered right to your door. Ingredients come pre-measured, perfectly portioned, and mostly prepped. Uh, and it gives you expert chef design recipes so that you're able to kind of work through everything. Um, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful opportunity to kind of, one, if you can't cook, get some homegrown recipes, but it's a lot of quality organic products naturally delivered right to your door. Uh, Jess and I know both have, have them as well. And, um, Jess, I had the meatloaf and it was fantastic. I had meatloaf too, actually. That, yeah, that was my favorite meal. Uh, we, we took a video 
of uh, me opening the box and uh, and checking out the food. So I'll be posting that here, um, accompanying the show just to show uh, to show what we got. But yeah, they really good meals. And uh, my favorite part about about Green Chef that I haven't seen from any other food service ones is that they put each meal in a bag. Everything's in one bag. The other ones, everything's like scrambled around in the box. But this, three meals, each in their own individual bag and, you know, onions already chopped up and, and like, you know, cheese already, already grated. Like they have everything prepared. It was, it was, it's like the most high end food service that I've seen. Everything is right there for you. They make it really easy. Yeah, it's it's a wide variety of organic ingredients too, so we know it's all good for you and, and very wholesome to come through it. And so Red Sox win the World Series, celebrate. What we're doing is giving fifty dollars off your first box of Green Chef. All you have to do is go to greenchef.us.us slash socks, S-O-X. Again, it's fifty dollars off your first box of Green Chef, so check it out at greenchef.us slash socks. Uh, celebrate the Red Sox World Championship with some healthy wholesome uh, food all handpicked by great quality chefs and uh, you you really can't go wrong there so it's worth it it's definitely worth it so speaking of wholesome and quality let's talk about our manager Alex Cora um, hashtag my manager hashtag my manager heart emoji <laughs> my manager uh, whatever we see on Twitter this guy one was able to pull the horseshoe out of his ass a lot in this series. Um, he was getting everything right. He couldn't, he couldn't pick wrong, Jess, uh, for what he was doing. But I don't even want to talk about the decisions he made, but I want to talk about what he's done for this team because we've talked about this a lot. This team was pretty close to being the same that it was the last two years. Obviously, minus David Ortiz, but like, this is the same team that John Farrell managed. Right. Except for JD Martinez. Well, it's funny because that's what I said, like, this team's really different, but I, I say they're different, not in the sense of different players, but, different attitude is mm-hmm. really what it is like they it didn't seem like the same team at all strictly because of that and i think a lot of that's cora because they didn't want to play for Farrell. they wanted to play for cora i think that's the biggest difference they just they just cared more and just watching this this post this uh post world series celebration here after right after they won like you can tell how much they care about him and how much they love him and how much they care about him he's just Whatever the guy did, I think he set a tone from spring training, said this is how it's going to be. He's always been extremely refreshingly honest and open to everybody, the media, his players. He just clearly has people figured out. He knows how to deal with people. I mean, it's amazing. Francona won a championship his first year. Farrell won a championship his first year. And now Cora has two. Some about first-year managers. But this was the best season, you know, 108 wins in a championship. And this wasn't his first time. Managing with the Red Sox. This was his first time managing ever. Period. Yep. Francona and Farrell had been managers with other teams before. So, well, not Farrell. He'd been a pitching coach, but um, Francona was a manager before. And all Cora was was a bench coach for one year, and that was it. And I know he managed in Puerto Rico, but it's obviously not the same as it's the majors. So, what he did was even more impressive than what they did, and it is just it's just because they like him. He's just a good guy. The biggest thing I take away from Alex Cora, and and I just and you kind of learned it throughout the post the post game conversations they had right away on the on the stage with with Big Poppy and and those guys. It's one he flew right when he got hired to L.A. or no to Fort Myers. He met with Sale Price and I think it was Vasquez and one other like right away and met with them 
had conversations and said they were in and then like flew to Dominican the day after Christmas to go talk to Devers by just literally like he flew all across the world to meet with his players to say, I'm in, let's go, let's do this. Not a lot of managers would do that. And I think part of it, one, he's being so fresh, he, he hasn't been out of the game that long as a player, but I, I think that part of it, and then also you just hear about, like, the Eduardo Nunez interview. Like, you hear about how, like, the way he preps everything. Cora went the night before when he hit that home run. He goes, yeah, I'm starting, I'm starting Devers, but, like, just be ready because if it's past the sixth inning and it's a lefty, you're going in and you're going to hit. And so he knew who the prospects were. He went and watched the video and knew that 60, 75% of his pitches, Alex Wood, that is, were curveballs. So he was sitting on a curveball. Look what happens. He had a three-run home run. He did his homework because Alex Cora told him. And Alex Cora had the relationship enough to say, hey, I'm not going with you, man, but just stay ready, dude, because I'm going to need you. And, like, that that goes a long way as a player because if you don't get told and you just kind of, like, sit there and ride the bench, you kind of resent the manager more than anything. Right. That's a great point. I mean, prep work is huge and he clearly puts in the work and his whole staff does too. Give credit to all of the staff. He picked great people and they all worked so well together. That's become very obvious during this season. But yeah, I think one of the things that sticked out, stuck out with me about Cora this year is, and especially in the playoffs, is obviously, as we know, everything he did was perfect. Everything was like turned to gold. All the decisions he made worked out perfectly. And then one that didn't finally in game four, when he left Erod in and Puig hit the three on Homer. And then Pacora admitted after the game that he probably left him in too long. He said he was kicking himself. He, he shouldn't have left him in like to face a righty, uh, after the first run was scored. And he admitted that. And I think that was pretty big of him to do that because he, he'd gone, he'd done no wrong up to that point. And, you know, he could have gotten a big head because everyone was praising him all over the place. Yep. And he just, he stayed calm. He stayed composed. He didn't let it get to him. And then he, you know, he was honest when that happened and, and said, yeah, I made a mistake. But I think the real reason why all of his decisions paid off, like, it seems like he's a genius and it seems like he's like a psychic and like knows everything. But I really think what it is is that the players want wanted to make him look good. So they just, because they're such a good team and such good players, they just, whatever he did, they made it work. And they they made big hits. Moreland pinch hit, hit the three-round homer. It's just like whatever he did, they made it work. And, you know, he doesn't look good unless they produce. So no. the, player, the players are the ones that did it. But I think they did it because they wanted him to look good. You, that's, that's huge. You fight for your manager, and when the manager does a crop ton of homework, like he does. He knows what player is going to have the best chance to flourish. And there are a lot of times people were questioning what moves to make and what you were doing, all this stuff. And then as soon as that Twitter tweet flew, it just all of a sudden they were proved wrong because like a lot of people were, and myself included, when Nunez went into bat that game, I was like, why are you taking Devers out? Like he's the one that's been hitting. And then like 10 First seconds pitch. later, yeah. Nunez hits the home run. I'm like, never mind. Never mind. Like it, it's like, it's almost like if you're a Celtics fan and you watch Marcus Smart shoot a three, it's like, no, no, no. Oh, just kidding. You can take whatever you want. It, it, it's ridiculous how many times, your, how many moments it, you have. It was funny to watch your, your Twitter and how you kept being like, no, don't do that. Just kidding. I'm stuck second guessing you. No, don't do that. Okay. I'm never second guessing. I'm like, Jared, just stop saying, stop. Stop tweeting. <laughs> it's just so hard because you get so frustrated. And that's just like a fan coming out. It's the, right. oh, I don't know what to do. Like, oh, why am I doing that? Blah, blah, blah. Like tonight, I was like, don't take Price. And he didn't take Price. So give him credit. He did send yeah. Price out back for the eighth inning. And I didn't honestly think he was going to. Um, I kind of just assumed he was going to hand the ball to Joe Kelly or somebody else. And then he let him go back out. And I'm like, oh, okay, sweet. 
Nice, good because he should be out there. Because Price tonight, because <laughs> Price tonight was dealing, and he had, he deserved every right to finish that game if he could go through it. Sure. But um, obviously, he was on a very short leash. Okay, before we get out of here, um, got to talk about Steve Pierce. So Steve Pierce, World Series MVP, um, has now officially played on every team in the American League. We've talked about this. Red Sox were the last one. He was drafted by the Red Sox. He went around the journey. He didn't get. He didn't take the Red Sox offer. Because he went back for a senior year at North Carolina, ended up being drafted and ended up playing for the Pirates, or at least in their system when they first came up after that. Um, traveled around the AL East, ended up with the Red Sox this year. Um, obviously one of the biggest acquisitions of Dave Dombrowski's career and obviously one of the better ones this year are that Nivaldi. You could have made an argument for Price for the World Series MVP, especially after the way he pitched today, but I don't think it was any question, especially after the way Pierce hit today. You know, he had two home runs today. Uh, basically locked this thing up. Um, Steve Pierce came out of nowhere. And I think a lot of people, I mean, when, I, when he first got signed, I questioned, like, why? Like, what do you need him for? And then all of a sudden, he was in for more than just hitting against lefties. Moreland got hurt. That gave him a lot of opportunity as well. Um, and I think Moreland didn't play as much. One, because he, I don't think he's 100% by any means. Um, and two, I think Steve Pierce took the opportunity and said, screw you. I'm here. I'm 35 years old. I want this. And he took it by the, the horns and literally said, you know what? I'm going to make the most out of this. And now World Series MVP, and now he's going to get a payday from somebody. Yeah, I mean, he was a Red Sox fan growing up, so it's so cool that he gets to come here being the, the last of his five AL East teams that, he, that he's on. He, he waited all that time to be a Red Sox, and and to do what he did for the team that he grew up rooting for in the World Series, I mean, could you be any more clutch? I mean, it started with that Yankee series in the regular season, the game he hit three home runs in. It's like, wow, this guy can hit. Like, yeah. this guy has got some power. And then he just consistently played well, and he was around when they needed him, and, you know, came off the bench, pinch hit, started when they needed him. And then he came up bigger than anybody, and I think he deserved the MVP. I, I was going back and forth between him and Price, and either one would have been fine. But three home runs in the last two games, the game tying home run, the three RBI double last night to put that game away, and then another home run in this game, and then another one. I mean, he it was insane. I mean, he's the reason you, you had to give it to him. He oh, was great. 100%. And, and you look at, I think Alex Cora is a big reason why he did what he did. Um, because you see all these guys getting so much better because of Cora. Look at Xander Bogarts, right? Like last year, down year, he comes up this year and, and had one of the most underrated seasons this year. I think it was because of Cora and the motivation. Steve Pierce comes in, a journeyman in the league. Never, not a lot of people knew who he was. Wasn't a big time guy. I think people know who Steve Pierce is now. And you do it. And I think Alex Cora is a big part of that. He gets, he comes in here. As a guy who's been a journeyman, and Alex Cora sits him down and goes, hey, you're here for a reason. We liked what we see. We know you can hit the crap out of the ball. I'm going to rely on you in a big spot, so be ready. And that, that gives somebody like Steve Pierce a, a lot of motivation of, oh, I've been, I've been jumping around this league, and this guy trusts me in big spots when this team's a World Series contender. Things like that are what I think drove Steve Pierce to be a big part of this and obviously be the MVP of the series. Yeah, and his numbers, I mean, like, First couple of games, he obviously didn't play much. You know, he, he had he was over two, over two, and then just had a walk in game three, and then <laughs> two for four, two runs, home run, four RBI uh, in game four, and then two for four, two runs, three RBI, two home runs 
in the clincher. So, I mean, the guy had three home runs and seven RBI in the last two games. I mean, you almost got to single-handedly give it to him because it's like, mm-hmm. you know, you were up two to one. You needed two wins on the road, and he got – well, how many runs did they score? They scored uh nine and five, so 14. He had half of the RBI, seven of the 14 RBI in the last two games. I mean, that's that's literally single-handedly putting the team on your back and winning the World Series. <laughs> yeah, and, and to a guy who isn't Mookie Betts, isn't J.D. Martinez, and, and until game five tonight, Mookie hadn't really had a – had, like, what, a couple hits? He, that no, was, he had none. He not had, until tonight he had, in the World Series. That was his first postseason home run. Total. I believe the first one. home run. Yeah, and that was his first hit of the whole series. Yeah. Um, he struggled, obviously, and he's still going to get the LMVP. He's going to get it, and no one's going to care anymore because he, they won. But if they do go back and have a, a run at this next year, right away, now Mookie Betts at the spotlight of, can you figure it out, dude? Like, like you, David Price. It's, it's <laughs> going gonna, gonna to be that again. Um, but you gotta pay, you gotta pay Mookie Betts this offseason. You gotta pay David, you gotta pay Chris Sale when he's up after next year. Uh, I think Craig Kimbrell's no longer a Boston Red Sox. There's a lot of question marks despite winning the World Series because this team's a special group, but there are a lot of pieces added. Um, you have Evaldi, who I think a lot of people want the Red Sox to pay. Um, you have a lot of moving parts that some are valuable long term, some might not be, and you say sayonara and you move on. Maybe, like, the big one. And we'll talk about this throughout the offseason, so I'm not going to get my take on this yet, but like Joe Kelly, free agent. Mm. Um, what do you do with him? What do you do with Evaldi? What do you do with Kimbrell? Like, we have all these things. We have a lot of content coming in the offseason, so I don't think that we're going to stop putting out these shows. But my prediction, Jess, for the next month, a couple months is we're going to relax. We're going to enjoy this World Series. Um, pitchers and catches report in like a hundred and something days. So we're going to look forward to February. I know Lauren Campbell, our old co-host, is already probably counting down the hours. Uh, now works for Nesson. So, just any final thoughts on closing thoughts on the season before we leave the people with a World Series championship, a spoiled city, and a parade on Wednesday, and we're queuing the duck boats once more. <laughs> yeah, was, this this was a really fun season, and you know all the question marks that you're talking about of like who's going to stay, who's going to go. The great thing about winning the World Series is that you have a World Series, so it's like you almost don't even care as much because you know you know the team's never going to be the same year to year. But it's like if you win, you don't have to care because you won. Like mm-hmm. that satisfies that satisfies everyone for a couple of years in Boston. At least in in some in some cities that would satisfy people for like twenty years. But for us, you know, it satisfies them for like well, two or the three Celtics, years. the Celtics and the Patriots could realistically would both win a title. Right. Upcoming, and then and the, I mean, the Bruins could too. They're they're right in the top of their league. So all three other teams that are playing right now through the winter could arguably just stack on top of this one. Right. So nobody's gonna really you know pay much attention. You know, you win, you win, and nobody nobody's on your back anymore, which is which is awesome. So, but this team deserves it. 119 wins is the third most of all time, playoff and regular season combined. So third best team in terms of that. That's incredible. But it's just such a fun season to watch. It's such a likable team. Just a bunch of great guys. And the thing that stuck out to me is just how much they cared about each other. They just were all in for each other. You know, Kinsler makes the error and he apologizes to Evaldi in game three. And Evaldi says, oh man, no problem. Like, I got your back. We got each other's back. Like, just mm-hmm. everybody, everybody loves everybody. And you really don't see that much. And it's, it was really fun to watch. And, Really an honor to watch this team and to talk about them every week. I mean, it's, they they could do no wrong. This team was incredible. All right, best team ever. We are officially in the dog days of winter. 
baseball is that a, offs. Is that a phrase? Uh, it's what I'm, <laughs> I'm making it one. Uh, officially the Major League Baseball offseason. I want to thank everyone. I know Jess does too for listening throughout the season. Uh, we appreciate you guys hopping on and listening through us and hearing us spiel our random thoughts about this team and um, obviously, you can't end a season better than a World Series championship. I mean, I'm sitting up at 1 a.m. I have to be up in four hours to go to work, and I'm still here to- talking about this team because that's what this team was to this city. And enjoy the parade. Enjoy this World Series championship. Hop on the bandwagon for the other teams in the city. But uh, the city's a baseball town, and anyone who tells you it isn't, they're idiots. Because the city is a baseball town. It always has been, always will be. Uh, for Jess Thomas on that side, don't forget, follow the coverage at Red Sox CLNS. We'll be doing a lot of post-game coverage, a lot of uh, off-season coverage, because like I said, a lot of question marks coming through these uh, next couple months here leading up to the repeat tour 2019. Looking to go back-to-back. Um, so don't forget to follow the coverage on Network, rate and review, subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher, and of course, CLNSmedia.com for all the good content across the network, not just for the Red Sox side of things. Like I said, Jess over there. My name is Jared Scali. One last time for the 2018 season, your 2018 World Series champion, Boston Red Sox. Woo! We'll talk to yeah. you soon.